This is New Bedford's news talk station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And welcome back in. Hour number three of the program here on Wednesday. Counting down until it is the first day of summer. And, of course, when summer comes along, we have all kinds of great projects underway and groundbreaking that takes place. And right now we're going to be talking about one of those groundbreakings that will be happening tomorrow. Uh, joining us right now from the Cape Verdean Association in New Bedford, we have Board President Darlene Spencer. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. And we have Vice President Jan Baptist. Good morning. And uh, they are joining us to talk about a very special groundbreaking that's going to be happening tomorrow. Before we get into that, though, let's talk a little bit about the association, Darlene, and and what it's all about. Thank you, Tim. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, The Cavian Association um, was... um, started in 1990 by a group of Cape Verdean immigrants who um, wanted a place where they could socialize and and bring culture um, bring culture to the table and um, it's grown um, we're in 2023 um, we're happy to say that um, we're a board of, of 15 board members that um, support the organization we our mission is to promote and preserve Cape Verdean culture we look at ourselves as connectors, connectors of uh, Cape Verdeans here in the, in New Bedford, um, across the diaspora and with Cape Verde Islands itself. We, um, in the past, our projects have included, um, aligned with our mission around preserving our culture is around um, having uh, Cape Verdean language lessons, having drumming lessons, which we call batucada. Um, we've had... Um, we have a uh, card playing game called Biscas. Uh, we've had Bisca tournaments. Um, so we are here to preserve culture. Um, part of our larger uh, projects right now is uh, we're restoring the former Strand Theater on the Cushion Avenue. Um, it's in the north end of New Bedford, which is in the entryway of the now the TDI transform. Transformation Development <laughs> District, um, and we also bought the land next to it in 2019, um, which um, has been, for some folks might remember, back in the old days, it was the former Salvation Army building. It was uh, closed and leveled, and we bought that lot, um, and we're uh, developing it into uh, what we're calling Island Park. Um, that is the groundbreaking tomorrow. We're very, very happy we um I'll let Jan speak to the project, but certainly this has been both the the uh theater which will become the cultural uh, Cape Verdean Cultural Center and Island Park itself has been a long standing project of the association it's been a hot, a lot of hard work um and the groundbreaking is a, a symbol of our our journey forward to restoring both the park developing the park restoring the building, and hopefully transforming the neighborhood. Um, as well as preserving our culture as well. So I'm going to turn it over to Jan so she can talk a little bit about uh, the projects. Yeah, what, what can we expect from the park? What's what's the plan? Well, the park is very exciting. I just want to say we've been working on this for ni- since 2019 when we bought it. We were so worried that 
that was a, a lot for sale and it was adjacent to our building and how it would impact our operations. The cultural center is for performing arts and um, young people pro- young people programming, Cape Verdean uh, cultural programming. So we had a vision. Um, we partnering. We're partnering with Whale, um, and um, we had sort of a, a charrette, and we sat around the table, the board members and Whale, and we thought, what could we do with that uh, with that lot? How could it complement the work of the cultural center? You know, parking is an issue. Um, gathering places, are, um, it would afford. So we thought, we what is the vision of the cultural center? And how can this uh, area complement it? So we um, are going to have actually um, a bus drop-off. You'll see if if you attend the groundbreaking tomorrow, you'll see our plans um, that there'll be a um, on Cushionette Avenue and Bentley Street, a driveway that's going to be seashells, just like it is on Cisco because... Our architect, um, Catherine Duff and Sh- uh, Sherry McTeague from Studio to Sustain have been working and are very, very concerned about sustainability and, and the, um, the environment. So the idea was, you know, not to have, um, con- to- so much concrete, but surfaces that are permeable, um, and we're concerned about water runoff. So there's going to be a rain garden. In the in the park, uh, so everything that we've decided is really with the overarching view of how can we help the planet and how can we help the city with water runoff. So there'll be um, trees for shade, um, and there's um, uh, perennial gardens that mirror what the Cape Verdean vegetation is, uh, as close as we can get because you know the environment the is, is very different, yeah. but. Our trees will be reflective of of the of the vibe of Cape Verde. Uh, there'll be uh, um, serpentine benches along the perimeter. That um, after the park is completed, we expect to have um, some uh, competitions with artists to do installations on the concrete, and that'll be led by Tracy Furtado, who was uh, at the part of this visioning and that we had for the park. So she will uh, gather uh, artists, preferably artists of color, and they will come up with concepts, and we'll have public installations of of that. So we, our um, perspective is that it's a, it's going to be a vibrant, engaging lot uh, that families can come. There'll be tables and, and chairs for people to have lunch. They can use the uh, restaurants along the avenue, bring their food to the park, and have lunch. They can come and play uh, Cape Verdean games or cards or checkers. Um, and we, looking uh, you know further down the future, we hope to have some kind of engaging installations where kids can learn, you know, go from station to station perhaps and learn about some something historical or something maritime, something that mirrors the culture of Cape Verde. So uh, we're at phase one uh, to put the... Um, infrastructure in mm-hmm. and at the same time I can say that we're also going to start the uh, rebuilding of the facade so those two projects will have to work together and I think I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that CPA uh, the Community Preservation Act is really what's been funding uh, the majority of these two projects although we've done fundraising we have 
uh, lots of other um, um, monies coming in for the for the um, strand, and we have also been lucky to have some Buzzards Bay has uh, given us some granting um, um, groundwork. Um, the d- director of groundwork found us some money, so it's a c- really community projects, both of them. But the uh, CPA is what is the money we're using right now. We're trying to uh, honor our contract with the city, and we're happy that, that the groundbreaking is going to start. So will will this park be enclosed, or will it be open for anybody to walk in off the street? How will it work when people do want to utilize it? It's open. Uh, it'll be open during the uh, daylight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be uh, um, barriers uh, on the driveway so that folks cannot uh, come in. There'll be gates at both entrances that will be monitored and closed at the uh, at um, what do you call that? Um, when it gets dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at dusk? At dusk, that's the word. Thank you. So at dusk it'll be um, closed, but during the day they'll be open. And there'll be some very minimal fencing to define the boundaries. Um, and, you know, just like any other area, I'm sure um, the police have been very good about monitoring mm-hmm. um, what's happening in in our facade area and, and in, the, in the abandoned lot that right now you can get in. But... Um, we've we've been lucky that it, it hasn't been a problem. So, and, and as you said, you know, this is going to complement the programming that's going on at the cultural center. Darlene, what kind of things go on inside the building? Well, what we hope to have is um, performing arts, um, reflective of the Cape Verdean culture, which can include um, dance, singing, um, drama, poetry, anything reflective of the Cape Verdean culture. And this is not only for the Cape Verdean community, but for anyone that wants to learn about Cape Verdean culture. Um, we want to recognize and preserve the culture. Um, we have, as Jan mentioned, many partners that have helped us with the project, and we hope to continue with many, many partners that are already doing programming here in the city. One of our greatest supporters um, have been the Whaling Museum and the Zaitarian, and we hope to continue that partnership as we, we move forward and, and start to do programming. We want to um, particularly... Um, support our youth in the community, recognizing that um, they are our future and they, you know, should be supported around knowing their culture. So one of the things that we're very cognizant of with the, the park area is knowing what the traffic is like on Cushion Avenue. So having that that bus entry, that entry into the park was very intentional so that when we do after-school programming or weekend program, particularly for youth, that, that buses can come right off uh, Cushion Avenue and into into the area. As Jan mentioned, we see the park as an extension of the programming that might be going on in the center that particularly in the warmer months um, spill out into the into the area. We have partnered in the past with the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra, where we have uh, uh, it was a couple of years in a row we've done an event called Juntamon, where um, symphony musicians and Cavani musicians play, and at the end they have a jam session together just to cel- to celebrate music and the and the universal language of uh, of music no matter what language is being spoken so it's things like that hopefully the theater will be utilized on a 
hopefully a weekly basis Mm -hmm. uh, with after school programming, weekend programming, uh, performing arts at night. Um, Again, just a place where um, the arts and culture of of Cape Verdean Americans and uh, of Cape Verde uh, is celebrated. And you had both mentioned working on the facade. So are you trying to restore it to what it looked like previously when it was the Strand Theater? Is that the plan? Yeah. Original facade was an Italian facade. It's very beautiful and you can see images of it on our website um over the years they put some stucco they just obliterated the beautiful italian facade and put stucco on it so the first thing that the team will be doing a team of engineers led by um studio to sustain will be removing that stucco and what we were what we've learned in the process that this is an historic building so we've made applications to massachusetts tax historical um tax tax credits and we've been granted that and every round we get a little bit more money and but they're overseeing how we proceed to make sure that we're um meeting the criteria for the the historical uh, aspect of the of the building so both interior and outside and um so like I said we put together a great team of engineers both for HVAC and electric we're um partnering with um Mass uh Save Eversource to make sure that the building is sound um, for the environment and that we are v- eligible for rebates for um, all of the infrastructure in, in the theater. So lots of work. It's, um, it's a plan in action, but we're very excited to start the first phase of the okay. Strand. And then later on in our business plan that we hope they'll people will come in and rent the space mm-hmm. that other people in the um, Love the Avenue group will come in and use our space. It, it's pr- one of the um, few spaces in the city, in that area of the city, that has the capacity to bring in a, a couple of hundred people. Wow. So we're excited about that. There hasn't been a meeting place um, like that, um, in that in that neighborhood. So what can folks expect tomorrow? The groundbreaking is happening tomorrow uh, at 4 p.m.? Yes. And what, what, what type of things are planned to recognize the groundbreaking? So we have a short program where uh, we'll have some speakers. Uh, Mayor Mitchell will be joining us um, to to help us um, celebrate the groundbreaking. Um, we'll have the Council General uh, from Cape Verde that, um, out of the Consulate Office in, in Quincy will be joining us as well. It'll be a short program. Um, and we'll hopefully you know have a, a ceremonial um, action where we're digging the shovels into the ground. Right. Um, after the short program, speaking program, um, we, we're, we're inviting folks to come into the to the cultural center um, to see as it looks now. Um, have some, you know, some refreshments and take a tour of the place. Um, hopefully, so folks can get a before and after of of what the uh, center looks like now and what it'll look like hopefully in a, in a year or so um, after the restoration. We're very, very excited. And as Jan said, um, we could not do this without a number of partners um, in both the uh, development of the park and both in the, the uh, restoring of the, the cultural center. There's another piece in that program where Catherine Duff from Studios to Sustain will yes. be talking about uh, the importance of the s- sustainability um, model that we've used in the design and plan for um, Island Park. So people will learn about how how that will work and how it's so important in in any new structures in 
in the world, I guess, these days. We're thinking about the environment and how we impact it. And, and that's the thing, that you can have buildings that are historical in nature but still have them be, you know, modified in a way that it won't have any negative impact on the future. Right. We're actually working with a company called Resonant to put solar panels on the on the roof so that we're also – an exciting piece of that is if once they do our electrical load study, if we find that we can put enough panels on the roof to have a surplus of electricity, we can offer – uh, lower cost electricity to our neighbors. Wow. So we're looking at that. We're very excited and proud about uh, how we're going to contrib- contribute to the community and our neighbors. It really does sound like it'll be a, a key piece of the of the community and the neighborhood. So with all of the work that's planned, are you looking for more volunteers? Are you looking for people to help out? How can people get involved? Absolutely. Um, we're always looking for volunteers. Um, we, if you can message us on our Facebook, um, we have a Facebook page, Caving Association in New Bedford. Uh, message us through there. Um, we're um, an all-volunteer-led board uh, organization, so our our time. Usually, a lot of us up for Jan, who's retired, have day jobs, so we <laughs> we we're we're streamlined in our communications, even though we're we're growing in that area. Um, and uh we certainly we have a small um uh, office space um uh through the kindness of Interchurch Council on one twenty eight Union Street at DeMello International Center where we're um we have uh subletting a small uh, office space in there. So if anybody wants to drop by there and leave a note, they certainly can. But they can also call me and everybody in the world has my cell phone number so I don't feel have a huge problem giving it out too much, but it's uh seven seven four three two eight zero three eight eight. That is my cell. They can certainly text me. Um I think the best is we can keep uh communication is through the facebook messaging um and we'll answer as soon as somebody uh gives us a facebook also if you like our facebook page we have um we post up any events up there and there's a great video on there that whale had done for us about a year ago now where they actually did a tour of the 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 theater and the center center and showing the inside so if you happen not to be able to get to the um groundbreaking tomorrow um you can certainly go on our our facebook page to um look at that video and i think it's up on the whale site as as well so um please take a look at that all right so again it's happening tomorrow at 4 p.m on Mm -hmm. christian avenue right next to the old strand theater you'll see the groundbreaking for the park and uh and thank you both for joining us and and letting us know all about it thank you thank you all right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will go into the newsroom. We'll be back in just a few moments. All right, welcome back. Great talking about the groundbreaking. that will be happening again tomorrow at 4 p.m. Adam will have the story up a little bit later on with more information. But right now, let's go into the newsroom with Adam, who will give you all the stories of the day. The search continues for a missing vehicle used to explore the Titanic. But there might be some hope. According to an internal government memo, crews are searching for the vehicle carrying five people said they heard banging sounds in 30-minute intervals on Tuesday. It's believed the submissible has less than 30 hours of breathable air left. House Republicans are speaking out against Hunter Biden's plea agreement on tax charges with federal prosecutors. NBC's Peter Alexander has more. 
first the plea deal, now the fallout. Republicans are blasting the Justice Department, arguing Hunter Biden got what they call a sweetheart deal that will likely allow him to avoid jail time, despite his pleading guilty to a pair of misdemeanor tax charges. Eight people are hurt as a result of a hit-and-run crash on Chicago's south side. Police say a car that hit four people who were crossing the street last night didn't stop until it crashed on the Dan Ryan Expressway. Various reports indicate at least one person was taken into custody. Two Muslim senators of Congress plan to boycott Indian Prime Minister Narita Modi's speech to a joint session on Thursday. Representative Rashida Tlaib says she will boycott Modi's speech because of his history of human rights abuses. Congressman, Congresswoman Alan Omar accuses Modi's government of repressing religious minorities. The largest medical association in the U.S. is no longer calling on health professionals to report pregnant women who abuse drugs. The American Medical Association says it will now believe such reporting will discourage pregnant women from getting help because they are afraid of going to jail or losing custody of their child. Over $700 million is up for grabs this week in America's two big lotteries. The jackpot in tonight's Powerball drawing will be worth an estimated $400 million with a cash value of about $200 million. The jackpot in Friday's Mega Millions drawing will be worth an estimated $320 million with a cash option of $167 million. A new study shows nearly 900 toddlers have accidentally shot someone in the past eight years. Michael Kastner reports. The nonprofit group Every Town for Gun Safety reviewed data from 2015 to 2022 and found at least 895 children ages 5 and under had managed to find a gun and accidentally shoot someone or themselves during that time. The study also found that the highest number of accidental child shootings per day occurred during the month of July. I'm Michael Kastner. The governor of Pennsylvania says traffic will begin rolling along Interstate 95 again this weekend. A portion of the busy highway has been closed since a bridge collapsed last week due to a tanker truck fire. Governor Josh Shapiro said on Thursday that paving could begin today. And an eight-year-old Denver Nuggets fan is getting a signed Jamal Murray's jersey replaced after it was stolen during a Nuggets victory parade last week. Alex Herrera got the surprise of a lifetime and met the Nuggets star in person. Here, Alex, this is for you, man. That's your hat. Thank you. little jersey. Sorry, I missed you in the parade. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> Murray and the team at Dick's Sporting Goods made arrangements for Alex to meet the NBA champion at a planned autograph signing in Lone Tree. A video posted on TikTok shows the boy taking off the jersey and throwing it up to Jamal Murray for an autograph. Murray signs the jersey and tries to toss it back, only to have it snagged by someone else in the crowd. The video has garnered thousands of likes and comments on the platform since it was posted. It also led a man from Golden to offer the 8-year-old a signed replacement jersey. The boy's mother said he's been touched by the positivity people have shown her son since the video was posted. In sports, the Red Sox are set to try for a seventh straight win in a row as they t- take on the Minnesota Twins tonight at 7.40 p.m. Here's your ABC6 weather forecast. For the first day of summer, expect those temperatures only to be about 68 degrees today. We'll be partly cloudy skies through the day. Sunset is 823 p.m. tonight. Overnight, we get down to about 51 degrees with mostly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, warming up a bit, we'll be in the 70s. Rain chances stay pretty minimal until we get into the weekend. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. It is currently 62 degrees right now in New Bedford. 
I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. We just paid some bills. Now we want to pay attention to you. I Give us a call at 508-996-0500 and tell us what's on your mind. WBSM is the place where the South Coast goes to talk. So let's get back to it. Well, rotator of all the uh, rejoins to play. Anyway, we're going to take a break here in a moment. When we come back on the other side, uh, a little bit later on, we're going to be talking with Irene Dupree Gutierrez, who portrays Hetty Green at the Whaling Museum. She's going to talk with us about the planned programs for this summer. Very interesting stuff. And we'll learn a little bit more about who Hetty Green was and was she really the witch of Wall Street? And welcome back in. Joining us right now on the line, we have Eric from the Butcher Shop, who's going to talk with us about some of the great deals they have going on over there. Eric, how's it going today? Oh, oh hold on. I hit the wrong button. Ah, and I hung up on him. My first time calling him, and I already hung up on him. I will fix that problem. Give me one second. This is uh, not surprising that I would mess up the first phone call out that I've had to make since we went to this phone. But it's my own fault for not locking in the VIP line. So let's see if we get him back on the line here. Oh, there we go. I think we got you on the phone now, Eric. Are you there? Yeah, how you doing, man? There, What's going there. on? You knew I was going to screw up the first time, right? It- <laughs> That's all right, man. <laughs> I swear to God, you can't make this shit up. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's a day today, you know, first day of summer. People are thinking about what they can get out there and start grilling to really kind of welcome in the season. When you guys must have some great stuff for them to throw on the grill. Oh, I got plenty of stuff, man. I got nice tomahawks. I got terrace major. I got bacon burgers, regular burgers. I got lobsters. I got everything, man. I got celebrity pork chops. I got good stuff here, man. A lot what, of stuff. What's What's your favorite thing to have on the grill? Honestly, Terrace Majors, it's wonderful. It's good stuff. It's real tender, and it's nice and clean. Everybody likes it. We marinate it up for you if you want, and we sell a lot of it, man. Yeah, and it, it seems like, you know, this, this is a, a time of year when people want to experiment. They want to try different things uh, and try different things on the grill. You guys are great about being able to tell them exactly how to prepare it, telling them, you know, different ways that they can marinate it, get it ready for the grill. It's not just about buying the meat. It's about learning how to properly prepare it. Yeah, you're right on spot with that, man. That's exactly what we do. They come in and they, they we tell them what we have. It's good stuff, and it's all about quality. You know, you pay a little more, but it's better stuff. You get good service. We, what else can you can you ask for? Nothing else. Yeah, we we were talking about that yesterday when I came by. You were talking about how you know it's it's about having it be what the customer needs. It's not a store where people are going to come in and buy what it is that the store wants them to buy. You're going to make sure that you have what people want. Yeah, we do the best we can. Yeah, I got porterhouses. I get, I'll get whatever you want. If I don't have it, you ask me. I'll have it within a day or two. It's not really a big deal. I'm sure those tomahawks were flying out the door for Father's Day. Yeah, I'm, I was all out. I just got a new batch in today. And that's that's something that I'm sure you're teaching people exactly how to cook that because everybody wants to buy one, but not everybody knows how to make one. Exactly. Yeah, you got that right. And the other great thing, too, is if you don't want to have to prepare the food yourself, you guys always have so much great stuff ready to go. People can just come in, buy it, take it home. They can eat it right in the car, right when they get out of the store. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, shrimp, Mozambique, pork chops, right? go whatever they need. So are you- Cachola, everybody loves Cachola. Cachola sandwiches, rice, potatoes. I got rice pudding. My mother makes rice pudding fresh. I got banana bread, everything. 
So you're already cooking up a storm today, getting ready for everybody that's coming in? Oh, we're about to, yeah. What's uh, what's what's on tap for today? Anything different that uh, people can come in and grab? Oh, I don't know, man. What, what are we going to make today? I don't know. I'm going to cook up some nice T-bone steaks today I'll have ready for to go. Oh, beautiful. Oh, that, that sounds really good. My mouth is watering, Eric. Yeah, you can buy, buy a bottle of wine. I got paper glasses. They can go drink in their, in their cars <laughs> if they want. I got silverware. They can do whatever they want once they leave here. Have yourself a little picnic right in the front seat. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for checking in with us today. And I, I, hopefully everybody comes over there and they grab some of those great meats. They grab some of that great food and get out there and grill for the first day of summer. All right, Tim, man. Thanks a lot, man. I got lobsters, too. All right. Yeah, those go fine on the grill. You can put those on the grill. Absolutely. All right. Take it easy. We'll talk soon. See you, man. Bye-bye. That is uh, Eric over at the Butcher Shop. If you want to go over there and get some of those delicious foods, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford, real easy to get to. It's a beautiful store. I got to, you know, I've been in there many times, and I just never really took the time to look around. I've always gone in and grabbed something to go. I've always, because that's usually what I do when I go there. I'm having them prepare the food for me. But when I went in and I saw all the different things they have and I went through the wine cellar with Maria and she showed me everything from five to $500, whatever kind of wine you're looking for. If you want to impress somebody, but you don't want to spend a lot of money, they've got the perfect wine for that too. So go on by the butcher shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford. All right, right now I want to play for you my discussion with Irene Dupree Gutierrez uh, that we we recorded this yesterday, my fault, scheduling it. Uh, but I want to play, <laughs> she, we had a little bit of a miscommunication because of my old time and all of that. But I want you to hear about all the exciting programs coming up at the Whaling Museum this summer with Irene portraying Hetty Green. All right, we are joined now by Irene Dupree Gutierrez, who folks have probably known she's been playing Hetty Green for a number of years. But I think, you know, we talk a lot about Hetty Green. Personally, me, I talk a lot about local history. Sure. But I don't I don't think I really know enough about Hetty as the person. I know the way that she's been portrayed, but I'm sure that that's not an accurate representation of who she is. You're saying exactly the right. People call her the wit. She was never a wit, Judge Starwood. She was a wizard. Let's give her credit. A century or so ago, she was the richest American woman at all, period. Well known to the country. I think the problem in the witch business really came from enemies, particularly, excuse me, but the gentlemen who were at Wall Street, of course, uh, had no women there. Hetty was only the second woman to come to the Wall Market. And uh, she was the first one successful. So there's some, some anger here. There was some jealousy, I think, more than anything else. She was brilliant. Let's face it. She was brilliant. She knew how to do this. So let's talk a little bit about her life growing up and how she became to be such a wealthy person. Sure. She grew right here in New Bedford, of course, born on 7th Street in 1834, and then spent most of her childhood at her grandfather's house, which was a couple blocks away. Her father wanted a son, period. (laughs) He had a daughter. He was not happy. He kind of hand her off to her grandfather as soon as he possibly could and she grew up away from her father for the most part. Her mother was ill so she probably never saw very much of her anyway. 
but she lived with her grandfather, and he was a Maggie money man in the whaling industry. It, she heard about it from day one. Both her father and her grandfather had uh, eye eye problems and, and could no longer read the newspaper every day. They wanted to read the financial page. So at age six, she began reading to them every day. And they would take time after she read. They would explain to her what she had seen and what was going on, what it meant. At seven years old, she knew more about financing than almost other other adults running around. So she grew up on it. She was great at math, which was wonderful, but that became the thing that she loved. Of course, if you remember some of the stuff about her, she opened her first savings account at the Bedford Institution. Uh, she was eight years old. That building is now the Bedford Whaling National Park. And so she comes home every summer when the weather gets too warm in, in New York. She had to bring it away from heat. She comes back to New Bedford. And she was sort of, I guess it's her ghost that kind of stayed at our building. So our program happens every last Sunday of the month from June to September. And I portray Hetty. It's a one o'clock program. It's free of charge. Please come see us. We're free. Come see me. And we'll share some in for other. I've given you my schedule with the different areas that I talk about. This Sunday will be the first time around for this summer. It's kind of a general intro to Hetty. If somebody's never heard of her, and new to this, I do have many people who show up again, but they'll be here again to hear this. And then we'll go off to some different features the following weeks. The second time around, I'll be talking about her children. I mention her children often, but really talk about her. Colonel Reed, her son, everybody around here knows about Colonel Reed, who was she, this super rich man. But he gave money away and spent money and did all kinds of things. I'm sure Hetty kind of rolled and turned over a graver because of it. I'm going to talk about him and their daughter, Sylvia, who was extremely, extremely and She stayed away from people. Almost no one knew her. She tried to not be found. Of course, he ended up in court, I don't know how many times, because of his mother's antics, but that was not her choice. However, when we're talking about the money, when Hetty passed in 1916, she left somewhere between $1 million and $2 million. Now, how can nobody know whether she left? Because Hetty actually had a, a memory type of memory where she knows every single record and knew it on. Nothing was written down out. Probably her son and daughter knew, but absolutely nobody else had it. So did she leave a million dollars, which was great in 1916, or maybe it was $2 million. If we look at that money today, if it were... $100 million in 1916, it would be $27 billion with a bill. She had money. It was serious. And, of course, 
one of our programs, we always talk about how did he make money. Very, very practical, really rules that made absolute sense. Buy low, sell high. Well, of course, what else would you do? And that's pretty much what Hetty said. You, you follow the rules, know what you're doing, know what you're doing, and jump in and be a little bit brave while you're at it. I was going to say, yeah, you have to be willing to take some chances. Absolutely. And you know, she really, well, actually, the only big loss she ever, ever got, $700,000 that she lost. But it wasn't because she was playing the ponies or anything of that sort. Her husband, Edward Green, was very, very different from her. He was a millionaire, an earned millionaire. But he spent his money. He liked to party. He liked to uh, invest things that were he thought were much too dangerous. And he lost $700,000 to the particular bank that they both went to, the Cisco Brothers Bank in New York. She lost them $700 million, and they decided that they would not let her take her money out until she paid his money. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, she had a prenup that she could not decide. Was, she could uh, hold a, a letter to take that money out of her money because that's his money, period. Stay away. He didn't have nothing to do with it. They said, no, you will not get your money. It was $25 million that they had in that bank. You owe $700,000 and we will not let you give your money so you can close your account when you pay him up. It cost her $700,000 plus probably a couple million more for legal casing that went about it. She lost. Never in her life did she lose that kind of a lose again that one day of all places. And, and did she recover from that with, with more did. investments? She did. Not happy. Never forgot it. As a matter of fact, the marriage pretty much ended because of that. She took the children that were living in Vermont. She took the children and moved to New York. And that's when she actually jumped into Walford because she was in New York every day. And once again, she, she kept making money and she was... She was brutal. She was smart. She did all kinds of things that just seemed so simple and obvious because that was her philosophy and all of this. Well, one of the presentations that you'll be giving on August 27th is Where is Hetty's Money Now? And you mentioned her son, Ned, and, and that he was somebody who was known to, I mean, certainly if we look at some of the things that he did at Round Hill with you know, funding experimentation that was going on. He had the the, uh, Charles W. Morgan down there for a while. He was somebody who did spend freely. Did he blow through all of her fortune? He was more like his father. He took chances. He wasted money. Although he was brilliant. He followed whatever she had taught him because she kept their money pretty steady. He died in 1936. And because he had had a prenup again, and uh, when he died, the money went back to his daughter. And I'm sorry, his sister, wrong one here. This is sister Sylvia, who died in 1951, who left $27 million in 1951. However, she gave it away. 
every that's the short answer of that. When I talk about that, I'll go over what was going on and how she lost money. It's gone every cent. Sylvia, I'm sure her mother must have turned over in her grave when she died. First, they couldn't find Sylvia's will. It was under the sink, stuck in with a bunch of, of bars of soap. So they finally found her money, $97 million. And when they started analyzing it, they found that there were $37 million of Sylvia, Hetty's daughter, has $37 million in some banking account that gave no interest. I'm sure his mother, that was the final get up for her. And then he gave away, so he gave people he never met. They suddenly one day got $10,000 for some reason. Some of the money came to us, of course. The St. Luke Hospital, million dollars. The, the library downtown, there were a number of things. But she gave it away, and now heaven knows if any exists any, but it certainly is that we could, we could not account for. When you are portraying Hetty, do you feel like she is inhabiting you? Do you feel like, you know, you're kind of taking on her spirit in order to, to tell this story? <laughs> you, I Honestly, and I, I probably shouldn't admit this, once a year I go visit her grave and, and I stand there and talk with her. And so help me, I swear she's a listener. She, I guess, must be fairly happy with what I'm doing. Because you might have gotten me by now. So if I did something wrong, but yes, I absolutely believe I'm in touch with, with Hetty. It's wonderful. And by the way, her name was Hetty. If you read almost anything, it will tell you that she was Harriet or Henriette or Harris Hetty. That was a good New England good child name back in uh, 1834. So it is just playing Hetty Green. And when people come to see these presentations, and again, they'll be happening the last Sunday of every month between yes. June and September. As people are coming, are you finding that there are more and more people that are having an interest in, in finding out more about her? It's the first time each summer I start with a kind of a review for people who might not know much about her. So I get a bunch of new people that time. But I have my regular people will be here every single of our Sunday all summer long. We've done this, I guess this is the fourth of the fifth year. And uh, I'm at the New Bedford Whaling in 33 Williams Street. We have an auditorium, rather small seats, about 50 people, but we fill it every week. I hope it'll stay that way. I, I love it. <laughs> so again, these are happening the last Sunday of every month between June and September at 1 o'clock. No admission fee. Come out and learn. Irene, thank you for joining us, and thank you for keeping the spirit of Hetty Green alive. I thank you for time. I would love to talk about Hetty anytime, so please let me know. Well, we might talk a little bit more about that spiritual side of it, too. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. All right. That'll do it for me for today. Stay tuned for Chris and Marcus. They'll have the mayor in a little bit later on. They'll be talking about a number of things with him. Also, Barry will be on later on. We'll have, uh, of course, Jess coming in with South Coast tonight. And between them, we'll